O God, mighty and immortal, you know that as fragile creatures surrounded by great dangers, we cannot by ourselves stand upright. Give us strength of mind and body, so that even when we suffer because of human sin, we may rise victorious through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Good morning. The first reading from the day for today is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. You have not come to do something that can't be touched, a blazing fire, darkness, and gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things. Yet once more indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things, so that one so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks by which we offer to God and accept the worship with reverence and awe, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. Word of God, word of life. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, You are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. 
But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When Jesus said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. May be seated. Um, This morning, um, the message is going to concentrate on the reading that Ernie did for you from Hebrews, and I'm going to add in um, the reading from Jeremiah. Sometimes happens as I go through the week, and we've finalized the bulletin that I add something to it, and this is the original Old Testament reading for this Sunday, and it ties together Jeremiah's call. So this is Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 19. Listen for God's word to you coming in this way. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I did not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, this is Jeremiah, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, Jeremiah said. And the Lord said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. May God add his rich blessings to the reading of God's holy word. So I also was struggling with a sermon title and decided this was too long, but then I didn't come up with a better one. So here it is. Call and commission, prayer, protection, help, healing, peace, and consuming fire. Okay? Is that good? It's all in there. It's in both these lessons, the lesson that Ernie read and the one that I just read from Jeremiah. So we'll kind of take them one at a time. But but call, commission, prayer, protection, help, healing, peace, and consuming fire is... All kinds of stuff. So here they come. Call and commission. The Hebrew scripture, the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah, that is all about Jeremiah's call to become a prophet. Listen again to the portion of of it, just a short portion. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, made you holy. In other words, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. That's enough to scare anybody who heard that coming from God. The down and dirty here is that Jeremiah is discovering that God has a different plan for his life that even Jeremiah is aware of. God is telling Jeremiah that Jeremiah was predestined. In other words, he was way before he knew it was prepared to become a prophet. And not only that, God says to Jeremiah, even if you don't think you are a public speaker and teacher, Someone who's comfortable in front of people, God tells Jeremiah, that is what you will become. 
God says to Jeremiah, I have put my words, not just any words, my words, God's words on your lips. That sounds like a pretty heavy responsibility, doesn't it? It's part of what it means to listen to God's call, to listen for God's call, to answer God's call to serve in whatever way we feel called. And then once we have accepted that call, it's our responsibility to take that call very seriously. The call to serve the church, the call to serve our God in many ways is so much more than just serving on a committee or a board and showing up for the meetings. You're serving God. And too often, all of us, including this pastor, lose sight of that fact. Prayer and protection. This is a kind of a good one, right? In the midst of all that serving, serving the risen and redeeming Lord, there will be times and there are times when it all becomes too much. Too much to take, too much to handle, too much to cope with. You know what I mean. When the weight of the world seems to be on your shoulders. Are you with me, church? Well, that is when you, that is precisely the time when we are implored to call on the Lord, to pray to the Lord, to ask the Lord for some relief, even if the relief only comes in the form of the relief through the speaking of the prayer itself, or asking someone to pray for you when you can't. What do I mean about by that? Well, I was thinking of this story. It came to me this week, and I had no idea when I was thinking about putting this story in the sermon that it was actually the anniversary of what happened. And pictures were posted on Facebook that reminded me. So then I was certain that the Holy Spirit meant for me to tell you this story this morning. Some of you heard the story. A story of a seminary classmate of mine. Actually, she and her husband were both seminary classmates. They're both Presbyterian pastors. They live in North Carolina. About, I think it's 11 years ago now, 10 or 11 years ago, they had a baby son. His name was Heath. And at nine months old, they discovered that he needed to have a heart transplant. Nine months old. So they put up a caring bridge site and all of all kinds of people all over the country and all over the world were praying for Chris and for Carrie and for little Heath and for a heart and all that kind of stuff. So as I was preparing to tell this, this story, Heath's mom posted a picture of Heath, um, now um, I think 11 years old, um, getting his annual heart catheterization. Yeah, he has to get one every year, those of you who have had them. And he gets it done through, his, through the artery in his neck, not his groin. So he goes back to Duke Medical Center. Thanks be to God for Duke University Medical Center. Um, before he begins middle school to assure all is still well with his heart transplant, and he, he is doing wonderfully well and does all of those things that little kids do, that younger and little kids do. But his mom blew all of us away on the one year anniversary of his transplant. She posted on the CaringBridge site and she put, thank you for praying for the new heart for Heath. He's going well and she went through all this stuff. And she said, now I have to confess something to you all. She's a pastor now. Her husband's a pastor too. Remember that part. Not that pastors are anything, but sometimes you guys put us, uh, us on this different sort of pedestal than we deserve to be on. And it's not a bad thing. But Carrie said to us, to, to all of us, 
that she was so thankful and grateful that all of us had prayed for a new heart for Heath and he got the new heart and he was doing great because she couldn't pray for a new heart for Heath. Here it comes because she knew that if she prayed for a new heart for Heath, another mother had to lose their baby for her to have that happen. She couldn't pray for it. So there it is. You can't sometimes pray for it. So you have to trust that others will pray for it. And so that's why it's so important when you hear a prayer request that someone else makes to you or of you, or even on that prayer list, that you need to pray for them because you never know why you're praying for them. God does, but we don't. By the way, Heath's mother, Carrie, is about four foot eleven. And she is a bright sunshine. One of those kind of people, when she walks in the room, she has this huge smile. She's always happy. Um, they, they, they have a whole bunch of kids, and it's a great, she's a great blessing. She works as a chaplain in a retirement community. Her husband is pastor of this big church, so she also uh, works with that church. And she, but there she was, a faithful pastor who couldn't pray. For her child's own heart. Brave enough to admit that and tell us that and give us this amazing faith example of why we need to pray for others. Now we move to help and healing. So now that we have an example of the way to go to God with our every need, including those needs of others. To turn to God when we think there's no place to go and no place to hide. See, Carrie finally decided she couldn't hide from that anymore. She had to tell us. And you see, there is someone who knows when we need to be healed and who is willing to heal us, not only when we least expect it, but also when others might not approve or be ready to experience this healing. And it doesn't just mean sickness. Illness, like physical illness. It means all of the things we need to be healed of, including um, being mean to other people and um, be, being not lacking self-confidence and all those things that happen to us on a regular basis. Those are all healings too. Or watch it come to someone else and not to them. To not be able to admit that they desperately need this healing too, so they object or they make fun of it. That's, that's exactly what's going on with Jesus healing on the Sabbath. The, the, the holy man couldn't stand it that Jesus did this so sort of so casually and easily. He was all stuck in all the legalistic rules. And Jesus was all about loving the person. Listen again to Luke 13, chapter 10 to 17, this time from the message. He was healing in one of the meeting places on the Sabbath. There was a woman present so twisted and bent over with arthritis that she couldn't even look up. She had been afflicted with this for 18 years. When Jesus saw her, he called her over. Woman, you are free, he said. He laid hands on her and suddenly she was standing straight and tall, giving glory to God. The meeting place president, furious because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the congregation... Six days have been defined as work days. Come on one of the six if you want to be healed, but not on the seventh, the Sabbath. But Jesus shot back, you frauds. Each Sabbath, every one of you regularly unties your cow or donkey from its stall, leads it out for water and thinks nothing of it. 
So why isn't it all right for me to untie this daughter of Abraham and lead her from the stall where Satan has her tied these 18 years? Peterson's last verse is the best. He says, when he puts it that way, his critics were left, meaning when Jesus put it that way, his critics were left looking quite silly and red-faced. The congregation was delighted and cheered him on. So friends, remember, healing does not only come for physical things. Healing comes in social ways. Healing comes in psychological ways. Healing comes in relationship ways. Healing comes in comforting ways. Healing comes in difficult ways. Healing comes in any way that God knows we need to be healed. And when it comes to God and healing, and for that matter, all things concerning our relationship with God, we must remember that patience is not only a virtue, it is the way of God. It's that Kairos time thing again. You'll hear me talk about that all the time a lot. Kairos versus Kronos. It's not 926. It's God's time. Sometimes the healing comes in what we foolishly believe is having to wait too long. But the amazing truth is that the healing can also be in the waiting. The healing can sometimes also be in the waiting. So you see, we need to not only get ready for what may come our way, but also, when it does, we need to show our delight, and we need to give thanks, and we need to express our praise, and we need to give glory to God alone. Okay, we finally got to my favorite one, peace and consuming fire. Do those go together? For those who are keeping track of the words in the long sermon title and have been paying attention to what I've said, realize that we've covered call, commission, prayer, protection, healing, uh, help, and healing, which just leaves us with peace and consuming fire. Now, before you get nervous and wonder that I might suddenly become a fire and brimstone preacher, not that there's anything wrong with that, and contend, c- condemn you to eternal fire and damnation, which I would never do. <laughs> Let me assure you that it is not what Paul is talking about at all in this passage from the letter to the Hebrews. Listen to, portion, listen to a portion of it again. I'm, I'm going to let Eugene Peterson again do the teaching. The subtitle of the section is An Unshakable Kingdom. Unlike your ancestors, you didn't come to Mount Sinai, all that volcanic blaze and earth-shaking rubble to hear God speak. Skipping ahead, God's voice shook the earth to its foundations. This time God told us this quite plainly. God will also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. He continues at verse 28. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. And then to the last sentence of the passage, God himself is fire. Yes, God is talking about judgment, but it is more about God setting a standard, a standard that God wants us to strive for, a standard that God wants us to constantly be reaching for. 
So you see, it's not about fearing the judgment, but it is about constantly striving to serve God better. So you see, it's not about fearing the judgment, but it is all about continuing to grow our faith. So you see, it's not about fearing the judgment, but it is all about seeking ways of building, seeking ways of renewing, seeking ways of strengthening, not only our understanding of and our devotion to this generous God, but also striving so that the fire is not feared. But instead the fire becomes a symbol and the fire becomes a testimony to the light of the world, a testimony to the Son of the living God, a testimony to our Savior and our Redeemer, a testimony to the light of the world, the redeeming Savior, the light of the world, who was and is and is to come and to come again, that all of us, all of us, might have life and have an eternal life and have it all abundantly. Amen? the heavens and the earth giving breath to every living thing we thank you for all the gifts of creation and for the gift of life itself we thank you for making us in your image for forgiving us when we act as though you have no claim on us and for keeping us in your steadfast care we rejoice in Jesus Christ the only one eternal begotten by you who was born of your servant Mary and shared the joys and sorrows of life as we know it. We take courage from the abiding presence of your Holy Spirit in our midst. We offer you our praise for women and men of faith in every age who stand as witness to your love and justice. With all the prophets, martyrs, and saints, and all the company of heaven, we glorify you. Remembering, therefore, his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Pour out your Holy Spirit that by this holy communion we may know the unity we share with all your people in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father now and forever. Amen.
Let us join our voices together in the prayer that Jesus himself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lamb of God, you bear the sin of all the world away. You suffer death. prior to the prayer of thanksgiving and the benediction to thank my brother Russ for helping with communion. I'm not going to be shaking hands. I had a minor eye infection this week. I don't think I'm contagious anymore, but I don't want to shake hands with anyone. I didn't want to touch the trays that you all are going to touch. So if that looked funny, that's why that was. I forgot to tell you that earlier. But thanks, Russ. Let us pray our prayer of thanksgiving. O God, in this holy communion, you have welcomed us into your presence. Nourish us with words of mercy and feed us at your table. Amid the cares of this life, strengthen us to love you with all our heart. Serve our neighbors with a willing spirit and honor the earth you have made. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. And now receive these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now and always and unto ages of ages. Amen.